0: welcome to pursuing success my name is alden and i'm john In this podcast we dive into the fundamentals of success try to figure out how to be a little bit better each and every day thank you for joining us and enjoy the show Welcome back to Pursuing Success. Uh, today we have Laura with us. And you turn that down a little bit. Uh, Laura is another very dear friend of me and John. Uh, she is our former math teacher back in high school. Uh, still a math teacher, mother of five boys, right? Yeah. Husband to Steve, who got me into my job. There's so many connections here. And we got a lot to talk about in the realm of finance, in the realm of money, debt family stories all that stuff so welcome laura thanks so much for joining us Uh, thanks for
1: joining us thank you thanks for having me
0: of course um how are you you doing
1: today um i'm nervous i'm really nervous (laughs) why
0: come on we're not that scary
1: it's not that you're scary it's just a little nerve-wracking to I don't know, have a soundboard in front of me again or something like that. (laughs)
0: Last time you did this was when you took your lie detector test,
1: (laughs) (laughs) which I failed miserably, and so now I'm still nervous.
0: (laughs) Have you ever done anything podcasting related before? No, not at
1: all. I am not even great about being a dedicated listener to podcasts, to be (laughs) honest.
0: (laughs) What about like recording for classes you've done or nothing or?
1: So I really had a horrible fear of recording at all for classes or being on any films or anything for any of my classes. And um, COVID got me over that pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to record a lot of lectures whenever I have students uh, who are quarantined. So I've gotten over that a little bit, but I still don't like it very much. And one of the ways I get over it is I just don't go back and listen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. We're not going (laughs) to shove this down your throat. You know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> uh, but anyway, what has been going on with you, teaching wise recently? Where are you at in your life? Uh, where would you? What would you describe your life like right now? Wow, well, a like the theme.
1: Wow, a theme. Uh, chaos, probably. I've got four boys at home, um, and they all go different directions all of the time. Um, we homeschool completely for two of them, and then two of them are uh, partially homeschooled and partially at uh, Washtenaw Christian Academy in Um uh, We we like that model a lot, where we just sort of like slowly get them out of the house and taking classes from other people and managing other people's expectations and that kind of thing. And um, so I also teach at Washtenaw Christian, um, and I really like it there. I'm teaching two classes where I prepare the content right now. One of them's a geometry class and the other one's an honors calculus class. So I really like that a lot. I think calculus is my favorite thing to teach.
2: So how long have you been teaching math? Have you always taught math?
1: Um, so when I was 11 years old, I uh, had an epiphany and realized I was supposed to be a teacher. Um, I was at my grandma's retirement party and my mom was speaking and she said that um, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and my mom was a teacher and I felt like at that moment that God said you're supposed to be a teacher and so I really except for like six months of my life have never varied from that I've always wanted to be a teacher and when I was in seventh grade I brought home a C in math and my dad said um well, previously, he had always said I could do anything I wanted. And when I was bringing home the C, he said, maybe I shouldn't do math. Yeah, so. except math. <laughs> so I accept math pretty good. Um, I just realized, like, along the way that, it, that being a good math teacher had a lot more to do with being a g- good communicator than it did, like, understanding the material the first time somebody presented it to you. Um, so if you're a good communicator, you can kind of communicate anything. Um, so that's what I went for.
3: Nice.
0: Your math class was sweet to be in too, because you had a, you, communication was obviously the the driving force. You you presented with us when I was taking the class the answers to the questions. all we had to do was show that we could communicate how to get to the end of that. So like we could look in the back of the book and like, Oh, I got the answer wrong. That means in the middle of the math problem, the process was off. And that was, and we had opportunities to like go over questions in class before we officially turn stuff in. So the entire time we were taking your class back in the day was, um, there's always opportunity to actually see what was wrong instead of just like, like I can't stand tests that are like the driver's test where it's like, all right, you study for a week, you take it. They tell you, they don't even tell you which ones you got wrong. No, so don't. like if I got the question wrong, that was like, which, which light means go, like I could be like a serious threat on the road, but they're like, all right, you've got, you got like over, barely over 50% and you're good. Yeah. So like the, the way that you teach and communicate as far as what I used to, you know, what I was used to in high school from you was just so good. Thank so you. So I always appreciate that.
1: Thank you. I do like teaching math because I feel like it's a great place where you can communicate hope. I think a lot of students, at least uh, when I was especially teaching homeschoolers, would come to me where like out of a desperate situation where their parents had like maxed out their math knowledge or they had been learning from a book for a couple years and they didn't know what was going on anymore. And so I had a lot of opportunity to communicate hope. And if you can get students to feel hopeful then all of a sudden they're able to learn the material that they need to learn again.
0: Yeah, it's like a huge logic problem. Yeah. But then like simultaneously simultaneously learning how to like break everything down into the smallest possible chunks. Like, yeah, super cool.
2: I think what um, also like made you stand out from most other teachers is the way that you structured it to... There wasn't really... The only reason why you wouldn't do well in your class is because you weren't willing to do the work as the student because you made yourself much more accessible, but also you structured your class to where you just had to do the work to get the answer. The answer was always there. Unlike... There's so many like a, like a history class or something like that where it, it's structured to where it, it can be the class can be made or broken on the teacher and mm-hmm. and how much time the teacher puts in. Where there's certainly an element to that, but but in the way that you taught it, it the content was always there for the taking. You just actually had to do the work to take the content.
1: Yeah, I feel like um, our education system in general has a forced schedule on it where. Like, and it was a forced schedule that I feel that often I wasn't the kid who got the material, the first in the class in any class that I was ever in. And it was always a matter of if I just could have two more weeks to like learn this material, I was going to be able to learn it. And because I was always in a, like a typical education system, I didn't have that. And so whenever a student doesn't understand something and wants to understand it, I feel like. I can meet you there, we can do this, I know we can do this, I will find a new way to explain this to you, I will be able to like, meet you right where you're at, because I feel like there's so much possibility and so much potential to do things that feel impossible when you have somebody next to you who's believing in you and who says you can do it.
2: Yeah, and, and for sure the, the whole element of math, there's a, you're able to take away the idea of subjectivity, Uh, It's either, it's pretty black and white. Either you know it or you don't instead of uh, maybe you can sort of halfway get to the right answer in in other, in other like language classes or whatnot. But you can't accidentally, unless you're really lucky, get the right answer. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's why why I don't like writing poetry.
0: (laughs) 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 There's too much, there's too much like interpretation in poetry for
1: and then somebody gets to tell you whether it's good enough or not. <laughs> it's like
0: modern art. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> we, we could have a modern artist on the podcast to you prove should. me wrong or something. You That'd should. be cool. But uh, until then, math is just way cooler. You remember, our the, so speaking of not very uh, by the book, our uh, calculus class, <laughs> our year, John, me, and a few other guys were in a class with Laura our senior year. And that was insane.
2: It wasn't the first time taking a class with Laura. Like it, right, every year it ramped up. Right. <laughs> so like we I, we had
0: been in geometry freshman year and then algebra two and then probably what? Junior
1: year? It was junior year. Most of you guys were juniors, I think.
0: Yeah.
2: Because I didn't take
1: math my senior year.
0: You had maxed right.
1: out all the math at that point.
0: Right. So we were just, but at that point, all of the weak ones had been weeded out.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was the off.
0: thing. My
2: my freshman year, I started, it, we used both classrooms uh, in <laughs> right. that basement. Yes, there was twenty twenty people. <laughs>
1: there was only like six guys left. and
0: are uh, surviving. So... A little bit of history on alden actually this it was actually an interesting time for me because the first couple of weeks of class it was there was no girls in the class which was nice honestly i didn't realize how nice i was going to be until later because yeah. we would like we would just barricade the door <laughs> <laughs> with <laughs> chairs before you, and hide in the closet and stuff but we were just messing around and i was always like a tight-laced like go by the book like don't really ruffle any feathers kind of guy and then doing all those wacky pranks and just like messing with you and seeing that you weren't like frustrated with us and we're actually enjoying it. Yes. And really like glad to have community while wa- while we're learning instead of just like, I'm just here to teach, you know? Yeah. That was such an interesting perspective for me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to loosen up a little bit. I like specifically made this decision because of this class. Like everyone else is going crazy. And I was like, let me join in.
3: Yeah. Like
0: I'd never really done that too much with my peers as far as like just, let's just do it. You know what I mean? And it was a
1: fun class. You guys made me laugh a lot.
0: <laughs> some of the stuff we can't really talk about, <laughs> but some other stuff we can. You remember the when we at one point in the beginning of the class, we generally we go over our our homework problems from earlier. You know, any questions? And we're like, Laura, we're tired. All right, we are tired Laura, we do not want to do it. Let us go outside. <laughs> Laura. go outside.
2: We want to go outside.
0: So I was
1: thinking about that the other day <laughs> because you guys did get more outside time than any other class I've ever taught.
2: I mean, near the second semester, we were outside almost every, every class. Yes,
1: but the weather was so nice. And you guys always made it through the material anyway. Like, yeah, was, I didn't cut so anything people. out.
2: There's so few
0: people, and we were all pretty good at getting our questions answered or, like, texting you beforehand so that we had more outside <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, yes. your
2: your class definitely <laughs> was in session outside of class time. Like, you were, you were spending a lot of time one on one um helping every every student right
1: yeah
0: yeah so so we did have a lot more time to but that particular day was hilarious cuz you we were like all right 15 minutes be back in here I'm like okay fine go and, <laughs> and like head for the hills and Quite literally <laughs> like just open fields just sprinting away <laughs>
1: i think you came back mud covered if you do no, that's many are getting to that that's <laughs> this, to this, that, so the story every,
0: everyone comes back at 15 minutes like Pretty well, much, pretty almost good. everyone. And then we're like, "Where the heck is Max?" <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, "Okay, thirty minutes goes by. It's Thirty-five minutes. All right, we're still working. I guess we're gonna and like." Phew. 15 minutes before class ends he like stumbles into the room <laughs> with like this massive like tree branch kind of like with a vine on it slung over his he's shoulder he's
2: like he's filled with moss and oh mud and he's <laughs> like
0: <laughs> he's like guys you wh- why are you guys doing it here you guys gotta come back out <laughs> <laughs> like dude she said 15 minutes <laughs> what like, okay i found in the woods this massive branch <laughs> Like, Th- that's like one of those are the times that made it sweet yeah <laughs> yes even though it's just math class, there's like a there's a special place, you know.
2: No, I, I mean when I when I think back in high school, I I only really come back on these math classes as uh, the the real po- points that I want to like actually remember from awesome. high school.
0: Yeah,
1: that's that's Truly. good stuff right there. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: so many. I remember the first time you guys barricaded me out of the classroom. I think you. We have a picture of it <laughs> <laughs> back. The, I don't know where the photo is, but it does exist somewhere. In I the think ether. I might actually have one on my phone still.
0: <laughs> there were oh, we like we like you were like about to start class after you. You got would in always the other fill door. your
2: water bottle in between classes. Yeah, right. So there yes. was
0: some time, uh, but we, we had barricaded the door and hid in the closet. And you find us, and you're like getting ready to start everything. And you're like, you know what? We'll just clean that up real mm-hmm. quick. Okay, fine. We'll clean up the chairs. It took us like thirty seconds to do it. As we're sitting down again, the the tall burly janitor guy like lumbers past the door and we're like
2: oh <laughs> my goodness that was closer than we thought <laughs> holy crap so funny story tall burly janitor guy he's a nice guy mm-hmm. um i randomly when i was uh a real estate photographer i shot his house before he moved out
1: that's so cool
2: it was so random <laughs> and uh He's, he's like, hey, I I know you, don't I? <laughs> You're like, yeah. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. <laughs> Not like last time. <laughs> it was it was really funny. Just just seeing him out of place yes. because I would I had seen him for so many years at this one place every morning because I was always doing morning setup, um, yeah. and we'd have like the same like two sentence greeting every single time <laughs> and that's pretty much where we left our relationship just a <laughs> hey good morning have a good day sort of thing <laughs> like I don't step on your toes <laughs> we, you stay out of my way I stay out of yours and then I show up to his house to shoot his house and it was it was really funny it, it was awesome. uh, quite random but humorous for both
0: of us <laughs> is he still around or was he like getting out of Dodge after he moved his... out of the area he's Aww. still in Michigan
2: though okay
0: Jay no <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah lots of good hsc memories yeah well, um wow.
0: what do you got lord you have any sp- specific ones that pop to mind while we're on the top of the subject
3: I, know, man.
1: <laughs> I i don't know if there's anything specific but um i definitely cherish the rock-dropping T-shirt that you guys got me oh. that I still have. <laughs> that um, I forgot about that one. Which one? You guys got me for Christmas that year. We made that custom you, T-shirt. You made a custom T-shirt that says, um, if a rock drops on Jupiter... Like, will you know about it in Cancun? Because there was some kind of like Cancun joke. <laughs> <laughs> going Nick was in the that
2: classroom. Class. Oh, of course. We yes. went to Cancun afterwards. The rest, the uh, yeah. in Celine, is a little the restaurant.
0: real Cancun. Oh, yep. My bad. Real <laughs> Cancun.
1: Yeah. No, you guys were a joy. You were a joy.
0: There's something else that happened in that class about. Uh, I think it was the algebra two class actually, but it kind of. I don't know. I don't remember. But basically, you sat us down one class period, and you were like, "You guys, we're not learning any material today because I have an important, I have something important to share with you." And you were like, race the board or whatever." Started writing, and you were like, "I'm going to teach you about basic level investing, how to make money by just letting your money sit." And those that that class period kind of opened my eyes a little bit to like what money can do as an ex- exponential growth tool. Um. I was curious, I think you prepared a little something beforehand, if you would share a little bit about like, the mutual fund investing model, how much you can make with a little bit amount of money if you invest it earlier in your life because time is on your side type of deal. Would you be willing to go down that rabbit hole with us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the um, privileges of being a teacher is having a captive audience who can't escape and can't... Um, argue too loudly against what you have to say. Um, And I really like pausing in the, when we're learning about exponents, to talk about how money grows and populations grow exponentially. Um, So I usually do when I'm teaching Algebra 2, or I find an excuse in calculus, or whenever else I have the opportunity to talk about how money grows. Because If you, as a young person, can see that it's a reasonable expectation that you should be wealthy, you will approach your life differently. Um, I think a lot of young people are focused on things that are temporary, Mm -hmm. um, and if they can just shift their focus and have a slightly larger, big-picture view... Uh, They can really have the freedom for the rest of their life to uh, be able to do things other people can't do and ask questions other people can't ask. Um, If you're never working for a paycheck, you can say, what do I want to do? Instead of what do I have to do? Mm -hmm. And if you're never really needing the paycheck, then you can also say, like, Lord, what do you want me to do?
3: Uh
1: Um, My husband and I, when we make financial decisions always start with, okay, what's God calling us to? What's good for our family? What's good for our marriage? And then somewhere probably after the top five questions that we ask each other and that we ask about a situation, we ask, okay, how does this affect our finances? Because we made choices early that have allowed us the freedom. And early means like 16, 17, 18 years old. Uh Um, If you are... 18 years old and you can and have spent time earning just small amounts of money and you can tuck it away you can have a positive expectation that you would be a millionaire by the time you retired um one of the easiest ways to teach that is the way my dad taught me with the rule of 72 which is benjamin franklin's rule um Funny story, I'm going to explain it to you, but I explained it to my oldest son, who literally came home a year and a half ago and told me that his whole life he thought I was just full of BS and that it was not an actual rule, but he learned it in economics class, so he was finally going to believe me. (laughs) I was like, you could have done a Google search, buddy, but he never did. Um, so the rule of 72 says, is a Benjamin Franklin rule, and it's just an easy rule of thumb that says if you take 72 and divide by the interest rate of an investment, that that's how many years your investment will take to double. And doubling power is really where all of like the rubber meets the road with investing. So if you, for example, if you took a 10% interest rate and took 72 and divided it by 10, you'd get 7.2. So for ease, I'm just going to round it to seven. And if you were 18 years old and had $10,000 to invest, that means seven years later at 25 years age, you would have $20,000. And seven years later at 32, you'd have $40,000. And let's see, 39, you'd have 80,000. 46, you'd have 160. 53, you'd have 320. And then when you got to 67 years old, you'd have $1.2 million simply because you made a different choice when you were 18 than other people made. Because at 18, most of us are worried about a car. I was worried about a car at 18. I was worried about having the clothes I wanted to have at 18. I was worried about, I always tease my kids about this, but they're basketball shoes. Like we always take the amount of basketball shoes and we always like project what that would be like when they were 67 years old. (laughs) I really hope you like your $250 basketball shoes Um, because that's how much it's costing you for when you're 67. Um, But my dad taught me that and taught me that, it would be perfectly reasonable to expect to be a millionaire and to be able to live that way. And um, so I feel like it's a very important life skill to be able to pass on to other people and to talk to them about, so they could have that same positive expectation of being able to make their money work for them instead of them just working for their money all the time.
2: It's such a powerful um, basis to go off of. And the, the idea of being a millionaire for so many people is just like incomprehensible, um, but it really is reachable with just a lot of discipline.
0: Let, yeah, letting money do its thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, you almost don't even need discipline for a very long amount of time. Like once you've lived a self-disciplined life, it's probably actually a more comfortable way to live. But if you could just discipline your finances between 16 and 18 and have that $10,000, you could live, like, as long as you're not taking the money out that's sitting there and growing for your retirement, you would have it when you retired. And if you continued because you thought that you could maybe live off of more than $1.2 million, you really can hit a fun point in your 40s where you have a million dollars in the bank. And by the time you're 47, it's going to be 2 million. So, you know, seven years after that, you're 54, you're going to have 4 million, and then it's going to be 8 million. And like your kids are going to have an inheritance and you can have any kind of retirement you want and retire when you're 55
2: yeah the when numbers double that's when things get fun
1: yes but the beginning isn't when it's fun right 10 to 20 isn't fun but you know 10 million to 20 million is fun (laughs) (laughs) for instance (laughs) it's really
0: really cool well like you need a little bit of context though because what you're talking about is like investing in something pretty safe like mutual funds that have shown to to go up over time yep uh like like if the stock market is doing well, even through crashes, from a I believe I've heard this from Dave Ramsey at one point, from a 10-year period to another 10-year period. So if we start in 2000 and you end in 2010, at any point, if you just take a 10-year, starting from any point 10 years later, it's always more. For the last 100 years, it's always been more than it was 10 years earlier. So if you have that discipline to put in and wait and have the sort of uh, fund that you invest in that has consistent returns, of, it doesn't even have to be technically, you know, Double every seven years, it could be double every 10 years, double every five years, depending on which which rate you go with and what can actually, you know, risk reward. There's all this, this other stuff that goes into it, but there's like the general principle that it's shown that if you put your money away and let the power of humans work at it, other people using your money to make money and profit, yep. in this country at least, that over time it helps it grow. Yes. <laughs> so there's just, just just to say it it's like pretty simple to say, oh yeah, just put your money and it will double. It has to go in the right place first it, of all.
1: It does, and also you probably need to make decisions that um, don't cause your money to be working on someone else's benefit. Like if I invest my money in a good growth stock mutual fund, my money's working for me. If I go and I take out a credit card debt, all of a sudden I'm working for someone else's benefit. And it works, it works both ways. Like someone else, me investing works for me, whereas me being in debt is going to work to my deficit and is going to be harder on me. And so many young people start out their lives with a huge amount of debt because they jump into student loan debt right away. And um, it sets them back for the next 20 or 30 years, and it dictates the course of their life when they could have simply made a different choice to not go into debt, and they would have had a different outcome, and they wouldn't necessarily be working the same way they'd have to work. They don't have to get up and go to work.
0: Right. I'm so thankful for th- that you showed us that at 16, it, just in a small one-hour class period, because like most people who get into student loan debt, to the extent that they do, I don't believe that they know that there are other options, know that there are other choices to live more of a debt free lifestyle.
1: It's very countercultural. I taught a class last year at the school that I'm in, uh, just a one semester class, we used the Dave Ramsey materials for high school students. And we spent a lot of time talking about how to go to college debt free, and that it might look different, right? There's the typical college student goes to college, takes out the loans, spends the loans on whatever they want to spend the loan on because you don't have to spend it on your college tuition. You can spend it on anything you want. Yikes. And <laughs> That's not- it's unsecured debt. It's the only debt you can't bankrupt. And then they graduate and now they have to land a job because those payments are going to be coming due. And they've done that all in this like very short amount of time that it's going to take them much, much longer to pay off and they're going to have to get a job in the field that they studied or they're going to have to get a job that's a certain pay scale so that they can pay off their loans or have a house or have a car or have kids. It's sort of a very sad turn of events when you're 23 and in that boat.
0: And you, I'm supposing that it can feel like betrayal too in a way where you're supposed to be educated and set you off on the right foot that's what it's supposed to do but if you aren't actually being advised well while you're there to get into a degree that will actually make money or yeah. to not take out so much debt or you can really get almost stabbed in the back by the system and be like oh well sorry we tried to warn you well, it's like well i was here for four years and i never heard about you know that i was going to have this much debt i i just imagine me and John not having gone to college for like the full four years I for only a couple months honestly um that there's like a lot I I would be curious to hear the experience of someone who does feel like you know it really kind of stabbed him in the back
1: if you really want to have your socks shocked right off you should listen to Dave Ramsey's Barred Future podcast because it is it's just eye-opening the amount of damage that's being done by the student loan industry in the United States, which it, it is an industry. They're in business to make money the same way that you and I can make money if we simply make a different choice and decide not to go into debt and instead invest our money and live within our own means and um, make wiser choices.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: No, that's, that's definitely a powerful um, way to live. So when you went to college... Um, did you take out student loans? Did I your husband did. take out student oh, loans? we
1: both did, but we took out tiny student loans and that doesn't excuse it at all. So we were as dumb as you could possibly be. Okay. Oh, we so, know. We, <laughs> <the> <laughs> awesome. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so I took out a $4,000 student loan, um, to start going to school at Albion. And then I lost going to school at Albion and had to pay that back almost immediately. And then I took out another student loan to go to Eastern, but it was a smaller student loan. And when I graduated, I had, I want to say, $4,000 in student loan debt that was mine. And then my soon-to-be husband, we got married the year after um, I was done with college, He had bought a house that was also outside of his means because that's just what you did. You graduated from college, you bought a house, you had a job, like nobody ever said this could be a bad idea, maybe wait, you're not in a hurry. Um, We both kind of thought we were in a hurry, so he bought a house and it was way overpriced for The house and then it was way overpriced. It was right before the 2008 market crash so the house itself was overpriced not just outside of his means and um, so I got an application for another loan through student loans and we just took it and I gave the money to him. So we both had student loan debt um, when we got married and then to add more stupid to the picture, um, we got something in the mail that told us we could consolidate our loans. Mm, fun. Which, <laughs>
0: Tell me more about that. <laughs> so
1: it's a really bad idea to consolidate student loans because it makes two people liable for the same loan because it groups them into one. It's advantageous for the loan company because student loans are forgivable upon upon death. So if I would have died with still owing four grand, my debt would die with me. Whereas if I consolidate with my husband and we now have $8,000 in loans, we're both on the hook for the full $8,000 as long as we're both alive. So they can give you a slightly lower interest rate, but really you shouldn't do it anyway. You should just pay off your loan really quickly.
0: That's probably sp- saving them so much money yes. just in random accidents.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. Like- it's... So bad,
0: so bad. So, how much debt total did you have, like at the peak?
1: Um, at the absolute peak, I think we had about 140 on our house and 8,000 in student loans, and I think we might have still had a little bit on a car, but that might have been it. So. In terms of, like, the typical American family, we didn't have very much.
2: Yeah, that definitely pales into comparison with maybe the majority of Americans. But
1: we were making, like, together, our combined income was $35,000 a year. So we had a $35,000 income and $150,000 worth of debt, and it got scary. There was this one month where my husband was working in a sales department and part of his income was commissions and he didn't make any commissions one paycheck. And we got the $1,200 bill for the house payment and he got a $967.34 check. And I remember just being so scared because I wasn't sure how we were going to eat. There was, like, there's nothing to even pay the house payment. How are we going to also keep lights on and also put gas in our cars and also eat? And I, like, I, w- I was absolutely terrified out of my mind. That was a, like, rock-bottom point for me, because I started praying about, like, how, how are these two college-educated people who aren't, like, really dumb like we're not stupid people in this situation where we don't have enough money to pay our bills and we're Mm -hmm. not really sure how we're going to do this like there must be something different here it's got to be different because this can't be it i'm not going to live like this
0: Mm -hmm. something there's got to be something systematic (laughs) going on or or else we really are dumb yes (laughs) or
1: we are (laughs) I was really hopeful that Steve wasn't dumb. <laughs> I, I would have been able to like buy if you would have told me, oh, Laura's dumb. Yeah, okay, I mean, oh. I will take that hey, one. Hey, Steve, <laughs> how are you doing?
0: <laughs> he just walked, pokes his head in the room. You guys talking about me? Yes.
1: <laughs> but he's not the dumb one. He's really not. He can think through things from many different angles that I can't even begin to think through. Um, but after praying, um, I was listening to... A radio show back when there were radio shows. And, um, I heard Dave Ramsey 30 minutes go through his, uh, seven baby steps. And I thought, you know, I bet if he can do that, I can do that. We can do that. I listened to that same focus on the family, um, broadcast probably six or seven times. And then I made Steve listen to it. He thought I was crazy. He thought maybe this will work. And so we we just dove in and he would tell you that he did it just because he was newly wed and wanted to make his wife happy. That was would be what he told you.
3: All right. Let's hear it from him. (laughs) Come here. Come on. Seriously. Get over here. Let's hear you say it.
2: Happy wife. Happy (laughs) life. (laughs) Those are words to live by. No, that is that is very accurate. That is very accurate as to my mentality going into the process.
1: Yeah. So the process actually um, brought us to a place where we decided to live a totally debt-free lifestyle that um, we had not envisioned before. It was not something our parents had done. We didn't know anyone who lived that way. And um, we just knew that money grew exponentially if you invested it, and we we use good growth stock mutual funds, um, and we knew that we wanted to keep more of our money. We worked really hard for it. We didn't want to be giving it away and paying it all in interest to other people.
0: Taxes is already hard enough yes, <laughs> without oh my gosh. interest rates <laughs> <laughs> breathing down your neck.
1: Yeah, there's nothing, nothing worse. But what we found over learning how to live on $35,000 a year was that even if our income went up, that if we continued to live frugally, we began to catch a vision for being able to make whatever choices we wanted to make and live whatever way we wanted to live because we weren't owing anyone money. We didn't have anyone saying like, oh, these bills are due at this time, this place. And um, it really like... Over time gave us a vision for being able to live a different way
0: What would you say to somebody in a very dire debt situation? Uh, well, first of all, you can probably put you know push them toward dave ramsey's courses if that's helped you tremendously um, but have you haven't been in it? What is it like? What would you say?
1: I would say that we um, live in a country with so many opportunities that it's you're going to be in debt or stay in debt because you want to be in debt or stay in debt. You have to make a choice to stay that way or you need to make a choice to live differently. And there isn't, um, even if you fail to make a choice, like, a thoughtful choice, you're still making a choice, right? If you're going to live like everyone else lives, you're going to eat out multiple times a week. You're going to have convenience fees all over your life. And like, don't get me wrong. I homeschool my kids and I have someone who comes in twice a week and helps me with homeschooling. It's the best convenience fee I pay anywhere in my life. And she's amazing and does a fantastic job. Um, but, It's a convenience fee that, like, adds things to our life and um, makes our life better. Whereas a dinner out, if I'm going to be paying it off on a credit card, it does not make my life better. It does not make my life easier. It adds stress. It adds pain. It adds so much negativity to my life. I, like, I don't want anything to do with that. So we've lived without credit cards, I think, for... 15, 16 years, um, and are very happy to be living without credit cards. And we've been debt-free for 10 years. Um, When we did all of the math for how long it would take us to get out of debt for the $150,000, we thought it would take us seven years um, just running the numbers. We both knew how to run the numbers, and we ran the numbers, and then just prayed. And it took two and a half years instead of seven years to get completely out of debt.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yes, you, more crazy is when we had ten thousand dollars left on our house payment, like total on our house debt. We, um, I came to Steve and I was like, "I'm done. I'm done. I want to go out to eat. I want to live the way everybody else is living. I want a brand new car. I don't care what it costs. I don't. <laughs> I don't want these crappy cars anymore. I want to eat out five days a week. I like. I want a whole new wardrobe." I want to pay full price for it. Like, I'm done. And he's like, we're so close. I don't care, was my response. I just don't care. So even though, like, he was a willing, like, guy in the beginning, like, my discouragement hit when I we could see the finish line. And we could see that it was completely possible. I was completely done. I totally checked out. And he carried us across the line. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs>
3: Cats
0: off the steam on that one. <clears throat> so now but what now that you're out of debt and have spent ten years kind of accumulating money, my question to you then is money can be seen as a bad thing in this culture as well, to have money. Like you're still living in the same house. You've, you know, taking great care of your kids and everything. But oh like thanks. Well, I think so. <laughs> 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 no, kidding. Um So what could be said about once you actually are out of debt, why that's not a bad thing, and why it's okay to build yourself money, because especially because you, you can then use your money to do charitable things to help other people who are in need. All of this stuff you can do with once you have it. But a lot of people don't get past the debt mindset. So, what would you say to people who are like, "Okay, you're out of debt. Now what?"
1: Well, um, being in a position to build wealth allows you to be in a position to give generously. The way other people cannot, and um, if you're ever in that position, God will bring you people who you are uniquely uh, suited to help. Um, I listened to a pastor one time talk about how his whole—he was a pastor of just a gigantic church—and he the sermon was on how he wanted to serve one person the way he wished he could serve every single person. And so like if you knew him personally, he was willing to baptize you, even though he wasn't willing to baptize every new member of the church. But it, but if he had a relationship with you, he was willing to do for you what he could not do for everyone else. And I think that's what um, being free financially allows you to do, is to be able to respond to that one person the way that God needs you to respond to that one person or wants you to respond to that one person, but you wouldn't be able to if you were worried about your house payment or your car payment or where your next paycheck was coming from or whether or not you're going to be able to put food on the table. Because I could not make decisions about eating when we were worried about putting food on our own table. Like I couldn't take a meal to a neighbor who was hungry. I couldn't invite people into the home for dinner because I was always worried about whether or not we were gonna be able to feed our own family. And it never felt like we had anything extra or more to give until we were in a position where we had extra and more to give. And then there's so much freedom in that. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, the borrower is slave to the lender And I never knew that I was enslaved until I was free. You Mm. could not have convinced me that I was in slavery until I was free completely from debt. Mm. Wow. So... When Steve and I make decisions now about jobs, or we make decisions about kids, college, or we make decisions about cars, which I am getting my Mustang when I'm forty-five, just (laughs) telling you now. You
0: set it up as a goal, and you're ready for it. Yes, go ahead.
1: We are paying cash for it.
0: Not that I can have any say in that whatsoever.
1: But like when when you've set yourself up for that, uh, there's just there is so much ability to just ask God, what is it that you want me to do next? What do you want me to do next? Do you want me teaching at a school? Do you want me just at home with my kids? Do you want me serving my neighbor? Do you want me watching my neighbor's kids? Do you want me ministering to my neighbors? Do you want me ministering in the church? You can ask so many more questions. Where do you want me to live? Like if I don't have to live in this place, in this house, where do you want me to live, Lord? Instead of I think very much so Americans view their home as um, a wealth building tool, which I, I wouldn't agree with. Um, but if you have a home that's completely paid for and you could buy whatever home you wanted, you can ask yourself, Lord, where do you want me to live? Where's the place you can use me to minister to my neighbors and just be present for other people's lives that I wouldn't necessarily be present for? And where I live, this is it. This is it. Like we have, um, we live on the end of a cul-de-sac and we have basketball hoops at either end of our cul-de-sac and we buy new basketball hoops for either end of our cul-de-sac regularly and often, like multiple basketball hoops a year. We are always buying basketballs because Like we have the privilege of loving on the kids in this neighborhood who want to play basketball and who will bring their little siblings over to play every other game. We've got a gaga ball pit in the backyard. We have a small amount of space, but they know they're loved here. They know they're welcome here. And if that causes them to ask a question like, why is this family different? Or why does this family love me? Then I get to tell them about Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. So- being debt free allows us to make those kinds of choices that we would otherwise not be making because we'd be worried about whether or not the thing that we're doing at the time is lucrative or whether or not we're going to pay the bills mm-hmm. or rock bottom where's the food coming from it,
0: it's so backwards cuz a lot of people are like debt is so much the way to go in most people's minds that they're not afraid of it even though it's very it traps you when whereas like wealth is seen as something that's like an abundance of wealth that's used greedily, yes, that's that's on that person who's not stewarding their possessions well. But to just have wealth is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, if you use it well, it, it offers so much more freedom, is what you're, exactly what you're saying. It's so cool.
1: The way Dave Ramsey taught us about it, which I've never met him personally, but the way he taught us about it through his teachings is he said that money is a brick. And you can take a brick... And you can smash it through someone's window if you're upset with them. Or you can take a brick or you could start building something. Money is the same way. It just amplifies the things that are already going on in your personality. If I'm consumed with the way that I look or I'm consumed with the way that I appear to other people, like I can do that with more money. And the more money I have, the more I'm going to be consumed with that. I'm going to buy my fancier clothes. I'm going to buy my fancier house. Nothing against fancy clothes or fancy house. I like getting my nails done. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Mustang. <coughs> Mustang. I'm going to get my Mustang someday. <laughs> I'll take you for a ride all yes. <laughs> day. But like, it, doesn't, it doesn't make the money intrinsically wrong. Uh-huh. The money just amplifies what's already going on. Um, so if you see something wrong in my life, You can always comment on it, (laughs) but (laughs) money will amplify it Uh because it will make it louder and it will make whatever I'm already doing just more obvious.
0: That is, I think that's just true. That just rings true in my mind. Like I've seen it so many times, tons of celebrities and they just like, you you really see when somebody strikes it rich, what kind of happens to them. Mm. They just kind of turn in on themselves or kind of like turn outward, you know?
1: Well, it's so easy to turn in on ourselves, especially when we are the ones we want to celebrate the most. That's why we need Jesus. Boom. Mic drop moment.
3: (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) Hmm.
0: Money, money, money. Interesting, interesting. I don't have any follow-up questions at the moment because my head's just spinning.
1: I can tell you a little bit about mutual funds. I
0: have a mutual fund.
1: What do you you think of your mutual fund? I love it. I got
0: it. I I started putting money into it uh, in 2017. I haven't put much into it, honestly.
1: Like right after you came over and sat on my couch?
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I I I
2: did something quite similar. Awesome. I don't think I got the couch treatment, but I got the (laughs) the calculus class
1: treatment. I I totally would have had you to come and sit on my couch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she
0: helped me set it all up. It was awesome. Um.
1: I will say that that's been a profound privilege is getting to see young people catch a different vision. We had a babysitter one time who was getting married and getting ready to have kids and every single person in her life was telling her that it was time to buy a house. And Steve and I sat her down and said, we love you. And we would be remiss if we didn't tell you to buy a small house if you feel like you have to buy a house. Because if you have a payment you can afford, if you have like just, you're trying to figure out how to be married and lots of times figuring out how to be married isn't fun. I mean, everybody in Hollywood says it's great, but it's hard. It's very hard to figure out how to be married and you don't need a house stress or a money stress on top of it. And she came back three years later when they bought their second house that was the bigger house that they wanted long term and said, I'm so glad you said that to us. You're the only people who told us to buy a small house and to buy something that was very well within our means. And it was absolutely life changing because it wasn't a stressor in our life. We didn't have to stay this certain way employed in order to just make this house payment. Mm-hmm. We didn't buy a house we didn't want because we were in a hurry. There's just a beautiful thing.
0: You can look backwards from that point and do the math. If we had done it this way, what, where would we be? Versus yeah. if we just take a little bit more time to evaluate a better option, now yes. look where we are. Yes. And it's like, why buy a big house if you're yeah. gonna have to work four more hours, you know, Ten a more week. hours a week yes. just to like somewhere else just so that you can come home and sleep in a bed yes. like it's like it's some of these things of <laughs> that seem so obvious yes. but it's like oh my gosh it's it's kind so kind so of cultural to too. just
2: make these really bad financial decisions that feel so good in the moment
1: yes and and they're the decisions that everyone around you is making yeah like totally I,
2: normalized
1: yes I know that when I graduated from college, I was trying very hard to live within my means. And I bought a treadmill and I was so excited about my treadmill. It was $250. I bought it used and I showed up with my truck and I didn't even like have the means to like load it into my truck. Like there just happened to be some bystander there. Like I was so excited about my treadmill. And my best friend at the time came to work that day and she had bought a brand new Volkswagen Beetle. And I just felt like so sad that I like didn't have, one, the means to buy a Volkswagen Beetle, and then also so sad that she had just made a four- or five-year decision that like she was going to have to be paying payments on. And she didn't have the actual freedom to be excited because the purchase came with so much baggage. Mm. And that's something we don't count into, our purchases that just makes me
0: cringe yeah. it like hurts <laughs> it's like look i got a new car because someone on tv said it was a good deal
1: yes eh. and i deserve it because i just graduated from college yeah i need a little pick
0: me up yeah. bam five year setback
1: yes, <laughs> yes. oh
0: my gosh like yeah. it's no pick me up there's the there was somebody i know who bought a decently new car and it's at the same time this person's like often talks about how they like oh i'm just so poor or i just work all the time it's like do you not see the, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, borrow some money from your parents and get a two thousand dollar car versus like ten thousand? Like, what are yeah. you doing? And especially if you talk so often about how much you don't, you know, have money. Or, it's like you take a little bit extra time. It's like to think yeah. about what could actually be a pr- proper, proper purchase at this moment. Thing, it's so sad to see. Them.
1: The thing is, is like it is a pattern though that we watched our parents do, that we watched our friends' parents do, that we watched the people right ahead of us in generations do. And so we just think this is what we do is we take out car payments. We take out mortgages on our house. We buy houses that are really, really big. So we have to work 60 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week or stay in a job we don't love because that's just what adults do. And you don't have to. We live in a land that has so much opportunity and so much chance for kind of doing whatever you really want to do. Like the ability and the opportunity to do whatever you want to do, you don't have to go into debt to do it. There's always a different way if you just wait or just ask yourself a different set of questions. And so, like, I would say that there's only been one one time when I have thought, oh, I wish I have a credit card. And it happened this year, so it's been 16 years. It was the only time I've ever thought I wish I had a credit card And it wasn't because I wanted to go into debt for a purchase. It was because I couldn't borrow a car and take it out of state. So my husband and I were in Tennessee on a family vacation. All seven of us were there. And we got into a car accident, totaled our van, and had no way to get back to Michigan because the... Um, car companies would not rent us a car without a credit card. They would not take our debit card. Now, I have rented many cars before with my debit card, but because I was always bringing them back to the exact same place, it wasn't a problem. But to take a car out of state on a credit card was a problem. So...
2: I bet they looked like you, looked at you like you were an alien. If yes. you didn't, you, you just don't have a credit yes. card. What do you
1: mean? <laughs> I don't even have a credit score to get a credit <laughs> card. <It's laughs> like I'm really like, sorry.
3: Yeah, uh, we don't trust you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you get them out of here.
2: <laughs> have you ever driven a car? <laughs>
3: Everyone buys them with a credit card. The old
2: five kid Ponzi scheme to steal
0: our inventory. Yeah. Nice try. <laughs> we see all these blonde heads. Got to be something. That-
1: <laughs> yeah, that was the only time and they wouldn't take anyone else's credit card either. It was a total disaster.
0: Oh, so for someone else to pay and then you pay them or something yeah, like that.
1: Yeah, they wouldn't take someone else's credit card. It had to be the credit card of the person who is going to drive away with that the car. That is a weird rule. It was so weird. They should change that rule.
0: That okay, different a little bit of a different topic, but it's interesting. The the world is becoming a little bit in these sorts of things. It kind of the world pushes you into owning a certain uh, you have to kind of own the technology that's the norm, like yes. a credit card. Like, mm-hmm. I have a friend who is very into not having smart devices, smartphones. He has an iPad for his schoolwork and art mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And he loves that. And he has email and everything. He's not anti internet, but he doesn't want a smartphone that's, whether it's tracking him, just kind mm-hmm. of like uh, an addiction in his pocket, in a right. sense. So he's talking to me about that so many people just expect you to have a smartphone. And yes. you don't even realize it until you don't have one, where they're like, Oh, is it okay if you guys just oh just map it or whatever? And he's like, Hey, can I actually have the address written down? And all this stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like he even prepared a, a talk that he's trying to give at his campus just to to kind of raise awareness the to like how how honestly biased people can be against it's like <laughs> what's the word that's like uh it's not like smartphone friendly it's like i'm not remembering the anyway i had i
1: I had a i tutor as well as teach and i had a tutoring student one time whose mother um really didn't like that she could not text me because at the time i didn't have a cell phone and she didn't like that she couldn't text me to like cancel or reschedule at the last minute that she had to plan ahead and call my house because I was going to leave my house four hours before my lesson with her son because I was going from lesson to lesson to lesson. And she she would like regularly give me the phone number for how I could like get a free cell phone or get a cell phone that was paid for by the government because she needed that convenience. And that's so often what happens.
0: Someone else's It's like smartphones, not necessarily just for the convenience of the person. It's like, Hey, we'd really appreciate it if you were more connected to us.
1: (laughs) Yes.
2: Well, (laughs) we live in a, like we live in a like innovation centric society. Mm -hmm. Uh, and once like we innovate upon something, it sort of just becomes the standard baseline, which I definitely like to a certain extent, I, I subscribe to that idea in the pursuit of just like human connectivity. Uh, so like I might I I find myself being on the opposite end of that argument. Like mm-hmm. why wouldn't you have a cell phone? It's it's 2021. Like <laughs> the idea of having all of the maps in the world at in your hand in your pocket at yes. all times um is, is something that humankind just hasn't had for so many years but now we do. Why wouldn't we have that availability and why would you want to spend more energy, more like time um doing that when you could be spending the time elsewhere. That's true.
1: That's very true. I actually have a cell phone because of your older brother. He like convinced me to get a cell phone oh, really? however many years ago, yes.
0: <laughs> what was the argument that swayed you?
1: It was um it was convenience. It was a convenience argument of like, hey, you're spending a lot of time answering emails this other way. You could really answer them when you're out and about. You don't have to set aside two hours of your day to answer emails, you could answer them quicker. You could answer them while you're waiting in line at the grocery store. You can answer them when you're doing other things.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why I drove my car here instead of, like, my horse and buggy. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we, I, I'm no hater
0: of the horse and buggy. I'm Like, that's a good point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I have friends who are, like, I've had smartphones forever. Maybe I want to just like disconnect and flip phone for a while. All right, all right. Cut the crap. It's me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is it actually you too? No, I've I've thought I've talked to you about it before. I've talked to you about it before. So I'm just saying you don't have to just be anonymous. I'm right here. Okay, no. So actually, I wasn't even thinking of you. I was <laughs> thinking of
2: uh, we'll put her on blast. Emily once has been talking about um, going to a flip phone for a while. Uh huh. A- and and I'm I've the argument that I keep telling her is like, picture yourself. Um as a boat okay and your phone is like the thing that the, the rope that's tying you to the harbor that is people okay your boat has a perfectly fine engine but you have to spend so much more time driving that boat back into the harbor and you can't just tie yourself to your friends and and you're spending so much more time and energy and resources in doing something that a simple phone could just do for you and then, what are you missing out at when you're floating out in the sea, into the ether, like, and we're having a great party and you have no idea what's going on? You missed out and we would have loved to have you there, but you, you like, just don't want to tie yourself. We
0: would have to invite you via courier pigeon. It's just not okay. Yeah. And, but then no, there's bad
2: weather that. and the, the pigeon just falls in the water and never get it.
0: No, I, I understand that. And so, the, the reason I sometimes am on the other side is when, so I struggle with like, internet addiction like truly i Mm -hmm. I feel anxious and fidgety when i not like have my internet time when i can't just like sit and be entertained and it's a problem it's too much it's like you know when you you have like like john will talk sometimes and you're like i'll play video games for half an hour and i'll get bored and move on and i'm like i could sit there and play video games for five hours straight and wouldn't even bat an eye because that's just something in my brain just says like this is fine like i'm not bothered by it So something in me wants a desired regulation to this sort of thing. And that makes me a little bit different than you're very like efficiency based and very, and that's great. I I would like to be more of that in a certain sense, but, but I actually just value my individuality as well to be like, I just, I would rather be able to live in my own head. And if it, it takes cutting out internet connection and connectivity to do that, to like live more freely in my own head then i would i would take that and not that i'm not open to learning how to like be more uh live a more free lifestyle even with that it's just something i actively have to fight and sometimes the fight gets really hard and when you like you just want to cut loose and just float out into the ether because being in the ether at least you're by yourself and you can learn to live with yourself and learn to like there's a lot of stuff to do out there in the ether you can fish you can (laughs) draw you can paint if you bring your piano you can play that but if you're always tied to people and you're addicted to being tied to people that's the perspective i come from where it's like it's so hard to just choose to break free when you're just always roped in and there's you're always a wi-fi connection away from spending an hour of your morning doing something else and you only have so many mornings yeah. and so it's 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 difficult when you come from that perspective versus well, i totally understand what you're saying because when i do think about it i'm like Man, I really would miss out on a lot of connectivity.
1: Would you really miss out though on people if you had <laughs> a, a flip phone instead of a smartphone? Because people See, can still text you. You can still respond. I don't know. Like it probably depends on like what methods you right. connect with people. Like, is it just texting? Is it social media? Does social media really connect you with people? It. I don't know what it I depends would what how I, you use yeah, it.
0: what I would really like what would be perfect for me is a really fast phone that has maps, texting, calling, picture taking mm. and like I could say like a few more things, but that's like the the bare necessities right, and then everything else you could have on your laptop, just yeah. like get your work done on your laptop, maybe a calculator on the phone, and I think you can do that, you can let it get your phone you definitely, programmed. yeah program specifically or there are some like special things coming out like a light phone i think i've seen those those have always been coming out uh, yeah Uh, (laughs) ah, you just need enough
1: people we might have enough people who are ready for them now
0: there's there's a very there's something in my brain that goes if you would just get over your like problem then it would be fine you could just bathe in the you could just bathe in the convenience of it but because I have such a big problem, <laughs> it's, it's like I'm, I'm drowning. I'm not bathing. It's not relaxing if you're like stuck underwater. Right. It's right. only relaxing if you can choose to get in and rest in it for a while. And as soon as you're like, I can't get out. Yeah. And it's water starting to get really cold. Yes. It's like, <laughs> dang it. So I
2: don't know. But what, it definitely does yeah. play off of personalities. Because um, like, I definitely do have, like, addictive tendencies, but just in different areas. Um, And one of the larger, like, so right now in in people in my circles, they're just trying to get rid of Snapchat. And um, the the main thesis of their argument is that it's just useless and fake conversation. Mm. And then, like, I'm not a huge Snapchat person, but I do use it because I enjoy sharing the moment. Like, we're sitting here just podcasting, yeah, I'd send the photo to a friend and be like, hey, this is what's going on. So, and, right. But I wouldn't do that over text because it just isn't the same. <laughs>
0: Hi, we're podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks.
2: So, I'm like, so, so my friends, and they're, they're deleting this Snapchat, and then uh, you're just missing out on those moments. Yeah. And you're missing out on, like, I'm missing out on pictures of your life, on moments where, like, I can connect with you on that level. Instead that in, in ways that just words can't.
1: Yeah, I do. I do like that about being able to share pictures. I don't have Snapchat. I haven't had it in four years. Um, but I, I miss that. Like I do have people. I can take pictures of what's going on in the moment and just text it to them. And mm-hmm. they either like, it's fine. Cause I'm older. Like, it, they know I don't have Snapchat. Okay. But it, it really can be very connecting. Like when I see your pictures, John, of the places that you go and you travel, I feel very connected because we resonate over some of the same nature experiences and some of the same, um, views. And like, I love feeling connected to you that way. And like, it is very valuable and it is, um, it, it's motivating in some ways too because i can see what you're seeing and say oh i want to do that okay what do i need to do to do that too well maybe i shouldn't have had five children i don't know yeah. <laughs> like something in there Ooh. went wrong <laughs> oh <laughs> i do like my children they're just not <laughs> conducive for traveling <laughs>
2: if you just like put all the travels on your credit card you'd be fine oh <laughs> that's go anywhere. the answer.
1: Oh, I don't think that's the answer. It might be. It's a (laughs) answer.
2: It is. It is an answer. It's
1: not the answer. (laughs) I like going on vacation where I can like think about the place that I've gone. When we paid off our house, we went on an Alaskan cruise. We took my parents with us too, so there would because we only had four kids at the time, so we would have a one to one ratio between adult to children, and I like. It was so enjoyable, and when we came back, I made a scrapbook about what we did, and I have never once regretted that trip the way I regretted purchases that I made on my credit card because I didn't pay for them right away.
2: Yeah, the one thing I definitely um, resonate with that Dave Ramsey hits home well is that, like, when you're paying cash, like, you're experiencing, like, physical pain. Yes, And you just don't feel that because you're not spending your money on a credit card. No. It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. And you're just trying to hit that limit and then maybe they'll raise it for you again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes. No, that that definitely uh, is No wonder they the won't truth. raise my limit. <laughs> <laughs> I keep paying it off like right
0: as I <laughs> I'm like, why I'd spend it like a thousand dollar limit forever and it's like <laughs> I can't even pay my rent off with that credit card. And they're like, Sorry. <laughs> no wonder. Sorry. I, I didn't realize that they would that's that makes total sense that they would raise it only yeah. if you spend a lot yep. instead of like Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Dang it.
1: Sorry. It's not worth it. Maybe I should get more. (laughs) more It's not worth it. They're snakes. Yeah. Just throw away the credit card. Actually, call them and cancel it.
0: Why does that make it? No, no, no. Keep it so that you have a credit history if you wanted to later on. Unless if you don't use it at all, it doesn't have recorded as credit history.
1: So there are other ways to. Do anything else that you would probably want to do with a credit card. Like we've lived for 16 years and had one problem, and it was eventually solvable. We did not end up. How did you in end up Tennessee. solving that problem? My yeah, wait a minute. We didn't even. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still in <laughs> <Ta-da>, Tennessee? <laughs> we're home. My dad came and picked us up. Oh wow! Nice he little road trip. All the way down, eight hours, and picked us up and drove us back home.
0: You're like tipped him a thousand bucks. <laughs> 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 All right, still st- you're still out ahead. After, you know what I mean? Sixteen years yes. of no credit card debt. You're yes. still out ahead if yes. you spend a thousand dollars. Yeah, on your dad.
1: Yes, <laughs> who is worth every penny. But really, that there haven't been any other circumstances where I wish I would have had a credit built. Credit is a. Um, it's an dave ramsey says it's an i love debt score so it's a score of how good you are at taking out debt paying off debt and keeping debt like maintaining debt so if it's a debt score i don't want one of those because i want to have money so cancel your credit card
0: but but i don't make big purchases on it (laughs) i mean i probably spend worse than i would if i paid everything with cash you know like I admit, I don't have great budgeting skills, but I never. I also don't have any debt. I paid for my car with cash because I thought that was a good thing.
1: Good for you.
0: And so, anything that I put on the credit card is stuff that I would be doing with a debit card, and so then I was paid off.
1: Let me challenge you, okay? Because this, um, this has been a challenge for me. We have a budget for an amount that we spend on food each and every month. And when I use my debit card, I cannot stay within our budget. When I go to the bank or go to the ATM and pull out cash, I have zero problems staying within our budget. In fact, our budget feels generous. Hmm. But it's the difference between the pain that I feel when I have to pull out my $320 bills, like to pay for all of the boys that are in my house and eating food like it's going out of style and they're going to die if they don't eat in the next two minutes like it's the difference between that and swiping my card and swiping my card does not have the same physical effect as pulling out the cash yeah so i would challenge you see see take out cash for a month live on it and see like hey does this actually affect my spending
0: done deal no swipe november Mm
1: -hmm. Ooh, I like it. It like works
0: as like a <laughs> Tinder uh, Bumble type challenge <laughs> to like not use dating apps and <laughs> to not use a credit card. Cool.
1: There you go.
2: There you go. What are your thoughts on uh, using or leveraging debt to build an empire, to build a company?
1: So the math works, which is the problem. Um, The math works. It's the it's the risk that you cannot put a number on that you can't take into account. So let's say I took out, I have a good friend, she's a really big fan of having house debt. And she has a gigantic house that's completely mortgaged. Not because they don't have money in the bank to pay off the house, but because they want their money in the bank working for them. And it works for them. And The problem with it is if all of a sudden the bank calls the note on the house, which they could do, and she didn't have the money in an account somewhere to actually pay off the house, all of a sudden she's got a problem. And there isn't, like there's a very small chance that that would ever happen, but there isn't a way to put a number on the risk that is there and inherent in that model, and not being able to put a number on it is what keeps it from being like factored in at all.
2: Okay, so you're you're just uh, just playing it safe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: because I feel like the risk often um, is higher than we want it to be, right? Like I think often when we look at risky situations. I know for me, what I do when I look at a risky situation, when I want to participate in the risk, I tell myself all the reasons it's going to work out. And I say, this is going to work out because of this, this, and this. It worked for this other person. It worked for, you know, that one guy who got that Tesla that one time. Like it worked for all these other people. It'll work for me. I'm not different. And it might work for me, but I have a confirmation bias when it comes to looking at my own behavior and my own behavior like i'm always looking at it looking for the outcome that i want and so like if you're really thinking about leveraging debt to build a bigger business i would say check your thinking with somebody who disagrees with you with the actual numbers right not just the philosophy like do these numbers actually make sense if you disagreed with me like how much how risky does this look to you like and I would do it with somebody whose risk meter is like really high, which is usually like women's risk meters are much higher than men's are, right? When you which say
0: higher, you mean like
1: less tolerance. We for are it. less tolerant right. of risk than men are. What? Just intrinsically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no. sorry. There's a gender difference. <laughs> We think it's a bad idea to play football on roofs. My husband does not think it's a bad idea to play football <laughs> on roofs. I have photographic evidence. But check it. Check your thinking with somebody who has a higher um, inability to take risk or a higher um, to- lower tolerance, whatever that is. But who can also
0: right? But who yeah. can also think about it logically instead of just like mm, that looks too risky. Yes. Yes. Instead of like right, yeah. actually,
1: because figuring like, it out. There are people that it's really worked for. I mean, it's it really worked for my friend. Her and her husband are retired. They're doing great. She always argue, argues with me on this point, <laughs> always. Um, there's there. I think, though, that um, I would go back to, I couldn't explain to someone what it felt like to be enslaved to debt because I did not know that I was enslaved until I was free. There was no... There was no way I could have even expressed that to someone. In fact, I regularly and often thought, I'm not in debt. I bet this scripture's wrong. I bet it's figurative. I bet it's not literal until I was free. Yeah,
0: I'll know if I'm enslaved. Right, I'm pretty I sure know I'll that. know. Sure,
1: I would yeah. know. No, pretty, I did not yeah, know. Interesting. I had no idea.
2: Yeah, no. So is there any situation that you would like go into debt upon your own accord or do you think there's just at your current place in life that there's like no reason to go into
1: debt? I wouldn't have any reason anymore. There, there wouldn't be a reason. Um, yeah, there wouldn't be a reason. Mm. Like, and it's not like a. I wouldn't do it to save my kids' lives, sort of like principle thing, like if it was the only way to save my kids' <laughs> lives, like sure, but like going to college isn't gonna save their life, or like there really isn't something that's that necessary to go into debt for that I wouldn't be able to pay for because of the way that I've chosen to live.
2: So that's a pretty sweet place to be in. It's like yes. the principle
0: of what got us here is, is like, we're gonna keep going with what got us here. Yes. And we're not gonna just like, yeah, I'll put it on
1: black. Yes.
0: <laughs> it's like just because we have profit. Woo. Yeah, yes. that would be That could be fun. You might consider trying that.
1: I I'm I'm doing really good the way I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: You just give me a call if you want to reconsider. <laughs> I know a, I know
2: a place, holding <laughs> the pit boss of- No, wait, come on. <laughs>
0: Okay, being a pit boss would be fun. Actually like managing a floor of people, to, you know, to be even being like a dealer at a card table would be interesting to see, like just to see the different people around. Um, but yeah, to just go and bet it all in black—nah, not my, <laughs> not my cup of tea. I'm
2: yeah. assuming you've gone to casinos before.
1: I have. Yes. Do you enjoy them? No, because I'm pretty risk averse. I am pretty risk averse, so I would rather keep my hundred dollars and not gamble. And I definitely have gambled in casinos before, yeah. and I just didn't find it fun. I always left feeling sort of slightly sick. Like I'd rather go some place wh- that'll like hit the adrenaline, but not hit the pocketbook the same way.
2: Yeah. yeah. No, I. Uh, I am. I'm much more willing to accrue risk. But I have the same sort of idea on the casinos. I've been in a lot of casinos in my time, and <laughs> I just find no use for them whatsoever.
1: Yeah.
0: What makes me sad? So I go to, I go to some sometimes to play poker because poker, it to me is more of a game than gambling. There's obviously a lot of gambling involved, but right. it's more of a battle of wits, which is what gets the blood pumping for me. For like, it's like a game where you're playing against somebody else and that competitive spirit is great. And then you like, I'm on my way to the table and then I, you walk by somebody who's like in their 70s and it looks like they've just been sitting at that slot yeah, machine for like 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, like that is a life I never want to touch. Like, yeah. And like, I, I admit, you do touch it a little bit when you even go and play poker. Uh, but uh, it, it just that is disgusting to me to like just sit there and just yeah. touch the screen and just does its thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> They don't even have the like, <laughs> pull-down levers anymore. They just have, like, wow, that was...
0: No, no, they do. They, they have do. to get people involved physically somehow. Okay. But, you know, that's so great. The psychology behind that stuff is insane. That they The chairs pivot to be, like, to, to snap you back into place staring at the screen. Like, Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. So, like, it, wow. you'll, like, pivot to the side, and you can for a little bit to look somewhere else. But then if you let your legs go, it'll just zoop right back to wow. face forward. Like, everything is designed to keep you just, like, face in the... Uh, into what you are doing?
1: This is horrifying. Yeah,
0: sorry. yeah, let's get back to the fun part where you double your money every seven
1: years. <laughs> <Yes, laughs> you are not going to do that in a casino. <laughs> <So, laughs>
0: yeah, with with exponential money growth, you do, the you know the longer you spend there, the more the more you make. Yes. Versus the other way, when it's a game designed to destroy you and your finances, yes. the longer you stay, the less your chances are of winning. So that's that's investing one hundred and one.
1: Yes.
2: So are you pretty hands off with your um, investing at this point or do you stay pretty involved?
1: So we are not like managers of like, so we don't check stock prices daily. Um, I'm sure I check once a month on my mutual funds. Um, But once a year we take a really like big picture view across, I think there's like maybe five or six, seven mutual funds we own. And we look at all of them and look at how they're distributed, whether they're like domestic or foreign, whether they're like small companies or big companies. And we look at that and we say, are we spread out pretty evenly? And if we're not, we either take the new money that we're gonna invest and invest it in a way so that we're still spread out evenly or we move money. Um, But that's how often we look at it. Because I, it's a long-term growth picture. And if I'm taking a long-term growth picture, if it dips down this month, I don't really care. If it goes up next month, I don't really care. I'm not pulling it out until I retire. Or, and that might not be 67. It might be 50. Like, But I'm not going to touch it until I retire or until I need to touch it. So there's not really a reason... To manage it super super closely, I mm-hmm. pay attention. We both pay attention, Yeah. but we don't. It's not something that's a daily exercise for us. Nice. It's freeing. Uh, yeah, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, no, it's freeing.
0: It's very cool. Wahaha! Well, we should have a we should have a follow up. So th- the coolest thing about podcasting, in my opinion, is you can have people on again later on to kind of like give updates on whatever you talked about before and it's like who knows how long john and i'll be doing this but if you do it in like 10 years you could be like so how's your money doubled <laughs> that, like be i'll be so retired cool. in 10
1: years oh well, yeah that would be ideal driving your mustang around yes maybe the second mustang <laughs> 45 <laughs> is five years away so the second mustang by the time i'm 50 I intend to only drive Mustangs after forty-five. <laughs> I'm all done with the vans. What's, what's
2: the appeal to Mustangs? I have
1: only ever wanted a Mustang. Only ever.
2: Are we talking like a uh, like a 2021 Mustang or like a 75 Mustang?
1: Um. So, like maybe one of each. I don't really like the new like SUV Mustang thing that just came out. I don't know the uh, the fully electric oh, one. I, the one that looks like an SUV or yeah. a hatchback. it's just so horrifying they
2: should not have used the mustang name for that though it is a cool concept because it's fully electric
1: i i just i might be able to agree with you but they put a (laughs) mustang logo on it and so it's just so bad so yeah like 75 would be good that'd be fine not the 80s the 80s mustangs were not good but yeah. maybe, you know, one of each year, I'd be okay with that. One every just, year for right, a while. Right, just change it up every year, <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> then I can have different colors, because I'd like that too.
0: Would you believe it if I told you I've never had a dream car?
1: No. I've never had a dream car. How, how do you never have a dream car?
0: I never, so big family growing up. This is where I take it back to, you know, if I'm going to think about that. Big family growing up, everyone kind of didn't have their, never had too much claim on what was theirs. Too much. Right, right, And our family was never one to be, like, or my dad was never one to really be like encouraged like that kind of like, oh, have you seen this car? Have you seen, mm-hmm. have you seen, like we, I watched, I was interested in sports growing up and stats and stuff like that. But as far as like people who understand, who know every single car model and there's like, I have sure res, respect for the hobby, but. I've never been like, I want to drive that car more than this one. I'm just right. like it gets me where I want to go. Um, so
1: You have to look cool while going there too. That's why I have a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> not have a motorcycle. But I'm gonna actually sell that too, because I don't want it
0: anymore. Too dangerous. Yeah. The risk reward is not there for me. No.
1: The coolness factor is not there in my minivan. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. That's
0: one woman's opinion <laughs>
3: <laughs> <clears throat>
0: i have another question for you
3: all right
0: we haven't talked about it too much but this podcast is called pursuing success okay so if you could define success in some way that is uh it, it could be anything but well how would you define success in your life
2: success at its very core is just the uh the accomplishment of a goal, really. So maybe more concisely, like, what is a goal that you're actively chasing, or my what Mustang. is a goal that you <laughs> I'm chasing? My Mustang. <laughs> like maybe, maybe a macro goal, as in like short term or big picture. Um, what what is success to you?
1: Well, it's been different things at different times. Absolutely. Um, I know that. When I was 19, 20 years old, really what I wanted was to just make it through college alive. Um, I was working full-time. was a single mom. It, like, it was just so hard to go to school full-time on top of all of that. Um, and then for a while, it was to like be the very best teacher that I could be. Um, and then for a while it was to not make the mistakes my parents made with my own children. Um, and then I would say that recently it's been a completely different goal. I mean, and we've had money goals along the way too, that have like, as we've hit them, it's felt very good and it's had the feeling of success, but I would say that that, um, what is success today is a daily thing. And it's different than it's probably ever been before, but it's, am I letting God use me today in the situations that he puts me in? Because the Bible tells us that God goes before us and prepares good works for us to walk in. And the only purpose of doing that is to be able to bring glory to his name. And, that's a new, a new idea for me. That's come about in the last three or four years. Like God spent a very long time impressing upon me that He was my only employer, and that no one else employed me. Um, and when that message was really, really brought home in a very profoundly deep way, um, it freed me to say, "Okay, then what's what is success?" what is the actual goal each day? If it's not to make these hundreds of parents happy or to get their kids through college algebra or to like communicate something here in this one day, what, what is the goal? And um, so in some ways it's gotten bigger because the goal is to bring glory to God's name. And in some ways it's gotten very much smaller because it's in the moments where Michael says, hey, can you read me this book? Or someone comes over for dinner or there's sitting on the front porch on a summer day and just having a conversation with someone that you wouldn't have had otherwise if you were pursuing something else. And, um, so it's gotten much simpler because there's so much glory to give God in the everyday moments. So I'd say that's what it is right now. Um. And that's been a been a more recent change in the last four-ish years. That's sweet.
0: Cool answer. What will success be to you?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it stays something solid. <laughs> <laughs> do to have I a little so conversations tracked. with people
2: all the time. Yeah. Success is renting a car out of state. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which I cannot do, evidently. <laughs> I can rent the car and return it in state, but just nothing else success (laughs)
0: is an interest rate just keeps growing and changing (laughs) Mm, that's good and i take it by how you answered the question that you do believe you're successful because what you described was not like something you're striving for that you don't think you have but more like this is what i do actively so that i know it you know It it kind of works in tandem with what you do. I have these conversations. I do these things. Like I understand. I'm trying actively to understand God's will for me. So it's not like a. It's not like something you haven't achieved yet. That's kind of what I was getting from it, anyway.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say that most days feel very successful because I'm letting God be the push behind me instead of um, there to be a striving constantly. Mm -hmm. Um because that striving was damaging to me. It was damaging to me. And letting God push me and take me where he wants to go and prepare everything before me, it has just been profoundly easier and less stressful. And so yeah, I would would say I feel like life, I have a successful life.
0: Fantastic. We got another one, John. <laughs> we got, we got
1: a, Someone else is living to their <laughs>
0: definitions. We haven't yeah. struck out yet. Yeah, this is great. One of these days we'll find. I have another question. Ready? Yes. Are you nervous to be on the podcast still? No.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> that's, so that's my definition of success <laughs> right now. Is good to, job. Uh, so uh, have a good and fun time and entertaining time. And the, honestly, it was like super fun. To have you on, do you want do you want to talk about anything else while we're here? Because we we can go for another three hours. That's how much the SD card has. <laughs>
2: yeah, we got two fifty three left. If uh, <laughs> I don't know if you want to go maximum,
0: maximum podcast. Um, but this would be a fine place to stop. But I am totally open to keeping going. I
2: think I'm good. I think we're good. I think cool. we. Uh...
0: We'll just have a part two then. We'll have a Steve edition because he's yes, been sitting here please. the whole time <laughs> 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 Just, honey can we go to bed <laughs> <At> nine o'clock <laughs> all right well let's power it down then hit the button
2: Body pushed
0: thank you all again for joining us for another episode um, and thank you so much Laura for talking with us I'm so glad that you had a good time in the end it was so fun
3: appreciate you your time and, uh, <laughs> thank
1: you guys. <laughs>
0: here jack turn it up yeah we will see you again next week follow and like and comment and tell us what we can do better and all of that and keep pursuing success and talk to your friends as well talk to other people around you who also want to pursue success yeah see you later
2: If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends to subscribe as well. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcasts. The Pursuing Success Podcast is an Essentials Media Production. Copyright 2021.